Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to Tune In, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. Today, Lisa Newman visits with Eve Jocknowitz, translator, annotator, and adapter of the Vilna Vegetarian Cookbook, originally published in Yiddish in 1938. Welcome, Eve. Hi. Um, eager to learn more about the Vilna Vegetarian Cookbook, and I'm glad that you're on the show to share a bit about the backstory, etc. Fanny uh, Lavando is the author. And uh, it was written and published in Yiddish. Uh, I first came across this book in 1994 when a copy was shown to me by my professor, Barbara Kirschenblatt-Gimblet, who is now the director of the Museum of the History of Polish Jews in Warsaw. Uh, She had um, copied a copy, I believe, from the Hebrew Union College Library in Cincinnati. And um, it was a book that really intrigued me from the very beginning. Um, I... I'm very interested in uh, the history of cookbooks. I'm very interested in vegetarian cooking. And, of course, I'm very interested in anything about food in the Yiddish language. So everything seemed to come together in this really unusual, very very fascinating cookbook. And uh, there are copies also uh, at the Polish National Library, at the Harvard Library, at um, a couple of other places. And she and her husband, I understand, died during World War II, and I'm wondering, how was the book ever discovered? Do we know much about her? Well, I mean, it wasn't discovered. Oh, right. I mean, the book um, the book is known. It's, uh, as I said, it, uh, it existed in, um, in numerous libraries, uh, in addition to the ones I mentioned, and there were copies uh, in private hands as well. There were copies uh, among her sisters and um, nieces and nephews and um, university libraries, national libraries, and a couple of other places. So the book was never, um, it was never lost or missing. Anybody who uh, knew about the book uh, pretty much knew, uh, knew where to find it. Uh, the question, of course, not too many people knew about the book. It, um, uh, vegetarianism is something that sort of fell out of fashion. Uh, in the 1920s and 30s, there is a real efflorescence of interest in vegetarianism and especially uh, in writings in Yiddish. Uh, here in the United States, you have periodicals and a couple of cookbooks written in Yiddish about vegetarianism. There is a very long book called Loy Sirtzach, Thou Shalt Not Kill, um, which is a 400-page polemic about the importance of a vegetarian diet. And um, there were, of course, resorts and restaurants both uh, in the uh, New World, in the U.S. and Canada, and in Poland, uh, that catered uh, to people who were interested in a more healthful uh, diet, which uh, the 20s and 30s are really a time, especially the 30s, where people are thinking about the future, really looking towards the future and thinking that there are so many possibilities that it's going to be a new and better world. And um, I think really it's the last moment in human history where you have this kind of optimism because, of course, we know what happened immediately afterwards. And after the devastation uh, of, of the Holocaust and the Second World War, I don't think that same kind of just reckless optimism ever came back, certainly not in Jewish writing. Do you think it sheds light on what it was like to be a Jewish homemaker in Vilna at that time? 
Oh, heavens no. I think that, okay. uh, I'm sorry. I'm, um, there, the, the title of the, the introduction to the book by Fania Lovando is To the Homemakers. So obviously she did have homemakers in mind. But if you go through the recipes, um, there are certainly recipes that uh, homemakers would have made, but a lot of the recipes are very rarefied, very elegant. They are um, fine dining, restaurant dining. They are recipes with a whole lot of butter and eggs, which we know typical homemakers in Vilna in the 1930s really... um, those were expensive ingredients that not everybody could get in really large quantities. There are also a couple of other things which to uh, city dwellers, um, as many of us are, would be incredibly extravagant. There's one recipe that calls for a pound and a half of chanterelles. <laughs> if you go out and gather your own chanterelles, <clears throat> as many people in Poland do to this very day, then that's um, not an outrageous ingredient to have in a recipe if you are uh, going to Balducci's and getting mm-hmm. them for $35 a pound, then um, it's a little on the extravagant side. The book includes Fania's original essays, um, and she writes yeah. passionately about the benefits of this vegetarian diet, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about those essays. Right. There is, there is an introductory essay by Fania Lovando, and in her first two paragraphs she really states her position, Uh, first she says it is well known by the highest medical authorities that a vegetarian diet is the best and the healthiest for the organism. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing she says is, and according to our Jewish tradition of Tsar Balei Chaim, not causing pain to living creatures, vegetarian diet is also the best... um, behavior to pursue. So she brings together in her first two sentences, really, both the modern scientific authorities and the Jewish religious authorities and brings those together in the book and situates herself as a person who, on the one hand, is not turning her back on Jewish tradition, but on the other hand, is looking forward to a healthier uh, future. And so she is, uh, she is a Renaissance woman um, weaving together both uh, the best of tradition and modernity. And as a culinary ethnographer, what drew you to the project of translating this? And I'm just wondering what you discovered as a result of working on the project. Oh my goodness, there is so much and there is, uh, there is just so much richness. And uh, sadly, um, there have been some very um, serious mistakes introduced into the text of the book after it was submitted, uh, so uh, the, the people who get the book will not be able to, unfortunately, read the, uh, the real translation, uh, maybe in the second printing. But I am drawn to the book by, uh, by a lot of things, by her language. She writes really in a beautiful Yiddish, which uh, which was just such a pleasure to read and translate. There are, as I mentioned before, uh, a number of uh, other books on vegetarianism in Yiddish, and they are not all really on the 
ha- they do not all have the same level of writing that we find with Fania Lovando. Um, I am fascinated just in more evidence of <clears throat> this efflorescence of idealism and vegetarianism among Jews, particularly among Yiddish speakers in the 1930s. And I'm interested in the recipes. The recipes are very interesting. The recipes come from they come from classical European cuisine. They come from local Polish cuisine. There are even one or two uh, Lithuanian dishes, which is pretty unusual among uh, uh, Yiddish uh, recipe writers. Uh, there are modern health foods such as juices, uh, vegetable juices. Um, she recommends making carrot juice. There were no juicers by grating the carrots and then squeezing out the juice, which was the only way to do it. The book, in addition to uh, being extravagant in ingredients, I think really what it's most extravagant in is, uh, is the amount of labor that you invest to make these recipes. And that is really the most expensive thing to us. Uh, ingredients, so we maybe will go out and uh, splurge on ingredients. But what today's homemakers, I think, are very reluctant to do is to go out and splurge on time, to actually take the time to make these really interesting recipes, because that is an indulgence. That's the indulgence that people feel that they uh, cannot afford to make. But I urge you, um, in this case, to uh, make the indulgence of... um, of uh, attempting to prepare some of these recipes. They are just wonderful. And before I let you go, um, mm-hmm. is there one particular recipe that was a favorite of yours? Ah, okay. Well, I've given a couple of different answers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one I'm most excited about is the potato pickle soup, which sounds like a terrible idea. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's potatoes and pickled cucumbers. And you cut up the potatoes and you cut up the pickled cucumbers and you cook them in a vegetable broth and you add some pickle brine and you add some other vegetables, uh, carrots, marinated mushrooms. The recipe calls for peas, but I think you could just as well leave those out. And then you finish it by adding sour cream and a roux of butter and flour. And it has this combination of sourness and richness which is very surprising uh, to our American palates and is just extraordinarily delicious. And probably familiar in a very um, deeply rooted way to our palates for some of us. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, I know that there's tremendous amount of excitement here at the Yiddish Book Center, and many Mm -hmm. of us have ordered the book, um, Mm -hmm. and we'll plan to do a little collective, uh, you know, I don't know, dinner preparation or something, and we'll have mm-hmm. to let you know what we think. But I'll try the, I'll try the soup. Mm-hmm. It sounds intriguing. Oh, wait. Let me just uh, warn you about a couple of things in the book just to protect everybody and make sure the recipes come out all right. Um, several of the recipes call for parsley root, and um, parsley root is something that you can find in farmer's markets and uh, in gourmet markets and ethnic markets. And if you cannot easily get a hold of parsley root, you can either leave it out there of the recipe or you can substitute a bunch of parsley. But what you absolutely cannot do under any circumstances is substitute parsnip. Uh, Do not ever substitute parsnip for parsley root. Two entirely different things, yeah. Oh my God! (laughs) (laughs) Such such a uh, such a painful, horrible mistake. 
A couple of the recipes call for bitter almonds, which is a fascinating ingredient. And these are safe and legal. And you can also get those in ethnic markets and in some health food markets. There was a wonderful cookbook a number of years ago by Maria Taylor Simetti called Bitter Almonds about uh, making pastries in a convent in Sicily. Uh, and those used a lot of bitter almonds. These recipes do not use a couple of the recipes use maybe six bitter almonds, 12 bitter almonds. This is a tiny, tiny amount, uh, and it is perfectly safe. And if you cannot easily get a hold of bitter almonds, just leave them out, substitute regular almonds. Usually these are recipes that also have regular almonds. Uh, what we call bitter almonds, in fact, are not almonds at all. They are apricot kernels. Oh. And the almond extract that you buy in the supermarket is not almond extract at all. It's apricot kernel extract. But I do not recommend using almond extract in any of these recipes. Uh, it is um, Most of the almond extract that you can get in markets is not very good quality. You have to spend a lot of money to get decent almond extract. And the quantities uh, given in the uh, erroneous recipes in the book are for much too much almond extract. It would really be um, extracty and uh, unpleasant. So either just use bitter almonds or, or just use regular almonds. Great. Well, thank you for the advice. And again, thank mm -hmm. you for your work bringing this to those of us who cannot read it in the original Yiddish. Mm -hmm. um, it's wonderful. And for our listeners, again, the book is The Vilna Vegetarian Cookbook, Garden Fresh Recipes Discovered and Adapted for Today's a Kitchen. For those who are listening, you can order copies through the Yiddish Book Center's online bookstore, YiddishBookCenter.org. Um, thank you so much again for visiting with us, and um, look forward to another visit to talk about all things culinary. Thank you. Okay, be well. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Tune In, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit our website, YiddishBookCenter.org. Our producer is Sarah Bleichfeld. I'm Lisa Newman. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.